Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Sean. Good evening. And today we are discussing the 1999 movie adaptation of Mansfield Park with Frances O'Connor as Fanny Price. This was the first time you saw this movie. I think I've seen shorts, but I hadn't seen the whole movie all the way through. The one thing that stands out for this, it is a slightly grittier production. It manages to throw in bits of comedy without removing the grittiness, though. It can be a little bit funny, but still have the darkness there. And I kind of like that. I found myself thinking of the new adaptation of Persuasion as we were watching it. From what we can tell from the previews, we have not seen the full movie yet. They went very heavily into the comedy and very heavily into breaking the fourth wall. Fanny does break the fourth wall by looking at and talking to the camera, but it feels natural. And there are little pieces of comedy but it doesn't detract from the rest. No, and I don't have a problem with that. I do have problems with other bits of this particular adaptation, but we'll come to those. At the start, Fanny's got an accent, which I think is quite appropriate. When I say accent, you can discern her accent. Not coming from the gentry in the same way. She loses it at Mansfield Park, but Susan keeps it, and I think that was a great way to show the differences. Mm. We have Susan at the start. William doesn't appear at all. And we can really see the difference between Portsmouth and Mansfield. There are shared beds, there are bugs on the floor, there are maggots on the table. And again, gritty, that word comes up. But Mansfield Park is really different from the other adaptations as well. It's cold, it's falling apart. She's thrown into the attic where there's just stuff everywhere. We see Sir Thomas doing sums. We are aware that there are money issues. It's much more evident. Yes. I liked the casting of Mrs Price and Lady Bertram as the same woman. And you wouldn't have picked it up if I hadn't said, right? That's so well done. They look different. They do look different. Once you said it, I could see they're similar. Because I read it somewhere and yes. they're always stuck in my head. Yes, but they did it so well, the worn look of Mrs Price. Because she is supposed to be very like Lady Bertram. I think one of the biggest things that you will notice about that adaptation that Austen's subtle allusions to the slave trade become in-your-face text in the movie. Even though it got very unpleasant, not necessarily unrealistic, Bearing in mind of what we know of the slave trade. I didn't have a problem with that. It didn't actually spoil the story. It was more in your face. I could see why a more modern adaptation would emphasise it more without actually changing the underlying tenor of the story. It didn't change the plot or what happened or the characters. Changed Sir Thomas. Apart from Sir Thomas. It made Sir Thomas not a very good person and it made Tom being... Sick. A better person. Uh, yeah, it made Tom a better person, and his being sick seemed to be linked to his time in Antigua, whether he was dealing with what he saw there or something he picked up there, you suggested potentially syphilis or malaria. Yeah, I don't think it would have been syphilis. I think it's more likely malaria. But I think what they were implying here, yes, because they do pick up fevers, but he was an artist, which doesn't come out in the book. And so he was reacting to the images that he saw at Antigua. Fanny also refers to woman's poverty 
as slavery. She does raise the question of slavery with her uncle, and it's really different in this adaptation than it is in the other and in the book. Everyone is silent as if to say, how dare you ask about slavery? Like, we're gonna keep our slaves. But Sir Thomas says a really ignorant thing that to mulatto, which is a mixed black-white child, are not able to breed because they're like mules. And Edmund calls him out, saying that that's just actually ridiculous. It's hideously uncomfortable, but these were probably conversations people were having. They thought black people were actually a different species, and that's why you could enslave them, because they weren't human. And this is the thing that's so hard to actually conceive, because it wasn't that they hadn't had association with them. There was an African general in Napoleon's army. Was... England was not as white as we see it in the movies. There were people of all races in England. Yeah, but they, you know, they would have been servants or or something. Or not necessarily. There, there are some, and there were some. There were some that were sort of quasi adopted. It's this sort of chosen ignorance that people displayed. Although we had a talk from one of our members earlier in the year and he talked about the slave trade and that a lot of people in England were very aware of it and they specifically chose either to not buy sugar or to buy non-slave trade sugar. Well, Britain, I understand now, gets most of its sugar from sugar beet, not sugar cane. The other really big change is that Fanny is kind of melded with Jane Austen. Very much so, because in the book, Fanny is much frailer and much more reticent. She isn't in this film at all. She's really quite outspoken. She's got confidence. She's got sass. She's a fantastic writer. The things that she's writing are drawn from Jane Austen's juvenilia, which is a lovely way to bring some of the juvenilia in. And then we get the Crawfords. The Crawfords, again, are really different. We don't get to see them being evil. They, to me, are the weakest part of this adaptation. Henry Crawford's relationship with Mariah is too subtle. It's over and done with before you even realise it. We don't see them making out. There's the one bit where they're on the stairs when Sir Thomas comes back and she's got the shoulder of her dress down. But everyone else is in the same room. And they all look in much the same sort of state. And Mr. Rushworth's there as well. It's not as blatant. So consequently, one doesn't get the sense of Henry Crawford being the rake. Here he's just a young man enjoying himself, but no better or worse than most young men. He doesn't pursue Mariah like he does in the book. I mean, yes, he looks at her. When Sir Thomas comes home, he switches his attentions to Fanny, and that is what pushes Mariah into marrying Mr. Rushworth. When the film starts, Mariah's already engaged to Mr. Rushworth. None of the opportunity for Mariah to go to Southerton with Henry Crawford. That whole background that Fanny sees as being inappropriate, there's none of that whatsoever. And in fact, Mr. Rushworth, he just seems a bit feckless and a little bit silly, but not really that bad. Played by Hugh Bonneville. I know. Downton Abbey. Do you know that he was up for Mr. Darcy in the 1995 Pride and Prejudice? Did he turn it down? I don't remember. But it did mean that Henry Crawford was not the... Baddie. She just altered the character of him. You could see that Julia and Mariah were both into him, but he didn't seem to be giving anything back. The only one he seemed to be chasing... Was Fanny. Was Fanny. And he seemed to... And he was charmingly Yeah. And he put himself out a lot. 
Now, that's not to say he didn't put himself out in the book with, with William or anything. He, obviously, the birds and things, and this was the substitute for something they couldn't do for William, you know, because he wasn't there. And she was opening up to him because he was making this whole effort. It just was wrong. It was wrong portrayal of the character. I love Fanny's response to him when he proposes. Not that he actually proposes. He says some vague things. She says to him, no man dies of love but on the stage. Yes. Which is a perfect rejoinder. Portsmouth again is a punishment. When Mr. Crawford comes to see her, he knows that Fanny is in love with Edmund and he consoles her and he says, he's going to marry my sister. It kind of makes Fanny saying yes to his proposal, understandable. And you could see that they could work. This is the thing. They would be happy. And even her mother says, I am married for love. Pointing out very clearly, look at the shithole I'm in. Don't follow my example. Here is a great guy who will look after you. And his rejection by her causes him to run off to Mariah. But in this adaptation, they have sex under Sir Thomas's roof. And we see it so unnecessary. My mind does rather boggle. Are they wearing anything underneath that? Or are they really as naked as it looks? <laughs> it works in the sense you can understand how he's... He could go off and get drunk and go off and parties. At that point, Mary and Edmund might have still have got together. But there he was, was still opportunity. So he was still... Better. But he didn't need to be. Because if he was going to say, I'm going to prove myself that I can be better. That's what he was said. I think had she not said yes and then retracted. Yes. That's the thing that made him. But oh, that's not how it goes in the book. No. It gives him different motivations. It does. It changes the motivation that, therefore, the plot device of him going off with Maria becomes weaker. I quite like the ending for the Crawfords. They eventually marry and their spouses are into each other. I wrote a note that they are the swinging Crawfords. Yes. <laughs> Mind you, one wonders how much Mary Crawford swung because there was obviously certain homoerotic touches throughout this. She was very attracted to Fanny as well as her brother, um, was often touching Fanny. And Yeah, there's the scene where she does her lines from Lover's Vows to Fanny and she's walking around her and touching her and I think Edmund gets so tuned on that he stands up and says, yes, I'll do it. Yes. I think because he gets an erection. And there's the scene after she's caught in the rain at the parsonage and Miss Crawford is undressing her. You needed a hand to get undressed in those days. Where were the servants? We don't see very many servants. We also don't see the Grants at all. Mr Yates does appear. To return Tom. Tom's come back from Antigua early. Obviously drunk himself silly in in London and Mr Yates has recognised him. Julia gets a letter from Mr. Yates, so she must have met him in London. And, and in fact, he wouldn't have write to her because that's not appropriate. You do not write. It was just the way to tie up that, oh, she might get married to Mr. Yates, I mm. think, rather than actually. Which is, So it was a little happen. bit clunky, really. It was. Mariah is played by the actress who played Henrietta Musgrove in the 1995 Persuasion. She is fantastic. But they make up the actress who plays Julia to be prettier than her. And the point is supposed to be that Mariah is more than Julia. And be in the, um, shall we say, the eye of the beholder. Tom spends a lot of the movie being drunk. Lady Bertram spends a lot of the movie being drugged out on Lordman. Mrs Norris isn't quite so obnoxious, but she keeps oh, always... Oh, she's 
fury at Fanny, though. Oh, but she's always asking, and how long are you staying, Fanny? What are you doing here? Why aren't you doing something? The scene where Mr. Norris dies is hilarious. Oh, that's funny, yes. Passes out in his soup, and Mrs. Norris rings for a servant. Edmund refers to lover's vows as trash. Fantastic. And there's a beautiful framed scene where... Miss Crawford is leaning against the billiard table. She's just been smoking and playing billiards with the men. And she says, which of you am I to have the pleasure of making love to? And all the men turn to look at her. She's right in the middle and they're down each side of her. It's beautiful. So Thomas comes off as a baddie and also kind of sleazy. When he comes back from Antigua, he's talking about Fanny's looks all the time. And I wasn't comfortable with it, not because it's an uncomfortable thing. It just didn't ring true, particularly... After we read the book, where he was a much more caring and yep. responsible person, just old-fashioned. This made him out to be, as you say, sleazy and, I was going to say misogynist, but that's not the right word. The implication was of his behaviour while it was in Antigua, portrayed by the pictures done by Thomas That Fowl. he was raping women. Well, he was doing what a lot of the white lords and overseers did. Still not okay. No, it's not. He says to Fanny, you will marry him. So Thomas would never say that. And there's a series of lectures that he gives her. It's one lecture in the book, but it appeared as if it went on for days and days and days on the film because they had slightly different scenes as it was going through. Oh, and Miss Crawford was there for one. That bothered me. Yes. That was not okay. Well, of course, they'd also invite the Crawfords to live with them. Another uncomfortable bit that we noticed during this watch, when Fanny is at Portsmouth, her father hugs her and says, it's nice to have another girl around the house, and everyone looks uncomfortable. And I had not clocked before that potentially they're indicating their sexual abuse in that family from the father. It was suggested, but they never developed it. So it was a bit like, oh, we've got a bright idea. This is what you bring into films in the 1990s and no evidence of it in the book and there was no development on that the way it was portrayed i was and seeing that night scene later i was almost expecting to see him coming into the room but it didn't develop anywhere whether they were just trying to clarify that women were seen just as chattels and their their looks were what it so it didn't it just didn't quite work for me as to what what were they trying to say by implying those things So I feel like that kind of makes her Thomas evil and they kind of make Mr. Crawford good. But the other possibly major difference that I really enjoyed is they make it really clear the relationship between Fanny and Edmund from the start. It's not one-sided. He is in love with her too. And he says at the end, I've always loved you. He's just never realised the love for what it was. I could find that quite honest because when you've loved somebody for so long and you've loved them as they've been growing, you would be thinking of them as a as a younger sister to start with. And that becomes a no-no to think of any anything else. But there are lovely scenes between Fanny and Edmund. When he picks her up from Portsmouth, they hold hands in the carriage after the trauma of seeing Mr. Crawford and Mariah together because Fanny walks in in flagrante and then Edmund sees the evidence of this and he goes to comfort her and they almost kiss 
Mary still gives her speech. But yes, it was a bit bizarre this time. It was in front of everybody, including Sir Thomas, and to talk about uh, Tom's demise. Very, very wrong. The thing that gets Edmund to tell her off is when Miss Crawford blames Fanny. Then Edmund's like, nope, this is over. Stands up and is like, you shush my father like a dog. You try to blame Fanny, who is blameless. You want my brother to die. And have a party on the money. His money. A lot of the script included Austen's words. I think more than the 2007 one, which in some ways people would probably think is a more... Authentic? Yeah. No, because of the way the slide was... I think people might argue that the 2007 is closer to the book, but the 1999 one uses a lot more of Jane Austen's words, including words that she did not write for Mansfield Park. That's true. But there are a lot of words from Mansfield Park as well. So how would you rate it in comparison? Is it one of your favourites? I tend to avoid watching this one because I find it quite traumatic. Anything about rape, can't do and the very obvious sex scene where Mr. Crawford is looking at Fanny as he's doing things with Mariah. That is very upsetting. I literally had to cover my eyes, and I wanted to cry at both of these. They're traumatic. They're awful. Having said that, there's some lovely bits in this adaptation as well. I enjoy getting to see bits of Jane Austen's juvenilia, the little funny bits of music, particularly at the end where they go, it could have all ended differently. And they all look up at the sky and the music pauses for a second. And then he says, but it didn't. (laughs) And the music goes on quite happily. I like the inclusion of Susan in this. When she says about Mr. Crawford, is he a rake? Yes, please. (laughs) I think we can relate to Susan a little bit. (laughs) Yes, that was fun. And that is our discussion of the 1999 adaptation of Mansfield Park. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!